Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Today I want to take a week. Uh, We normally take a whole series, maybe a month in the fall and talk about finances. And then I take a week every spring and talk about it as well. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, pastor, the week after Easter, you're going to talk about money, pastor. Uh, I done brought a friend, pastor, and now you're going to talk about money on the week after Easter and scare them away. (laughs) And uh, I just want to let you know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's just going to be 35 minutes and you're actually going to like it. It's going to be really good, Daryl. It's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. So you're going to learn something and be challenged. And so uh, if you got your notes on the way in, I want you to get those out. And uh, we're going to read in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter number 12. This is Jesus in verse 15. He says this. Watch out. Somebody say watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told him a parable. Here's a story that Jesus is using to make his point. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll store my surplus grain there. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Now, fast forward to verse number 32. This is Jesus talking again. He says, do not be afraid, my flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't you love that verse? Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Today I want to talk around this idea, the life of the generous. The life of the generous. Lord, we thank you for your word today and for these moments we share around it. And God, I pray today that you would do what I cannot do and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I pray today we wouldn't just hear a message, sing a song, but Lord, I pray we'd hear from heaven. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Our hearts are open to receive from your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. There's, there's three basic ways, three broad categories I would separate as to ways you can view money. Three different ways People view money, and this is in your notes here. The first way is this. What's yours is mine. (laughs) What's yours is mine. This is the uh, toddler mindset when it comes to money. (laughs) Anybody spend some time around toddlers? Mine. Mine. (laughs) What you got, I want mine. Everything's mine. Unless it breaks and is bad, then it's yours. (laughs) Mine. Mine, 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 mine. This is a toddler mindset of money. What's yours is mine. This is an entitled spirit. This is somebody that is consistently looking for a handout. This is somebody that is always a victim. 
It's always someone else's fault. They're always blaming somebody else and they are always the victim. What's yours is mine. Mine, mine, mine. This is a very immature way of seeing money. The second way, it's also an immature way of seeing money, it's this. What's mine is mine. You'll hear people say things like this. I work for this. It's it's, it's mine, and people that see theirs as theirs, they'll never have enough. It's people that never have enough. It's people that are always looking for more, and it's also people in regards to their money, they do everything in their power to protect what's theirs. It's a very defensive, fearful, scarcity kind of spirit. What's mine is mine. I must protect it. I must protect it. It's very fear-based, and it's also not a very mature way of viewing your money. The third way, by God's grace, this is where I want all of us to get how we see money. The third way to view money is this. What's mine is from God. What I have, I have because God has entrusted me with it. Everything I've got comes from God. And I love God's word when it speaks of money. Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic. Over half the parables are about money. Jesus spoke about money 5x more than he spoke about love, heaven, or hell. Like Jesus talked about it consistently. And, and the great thing about biblical counsel regarding finances is it's specific enough to be helpful, but generic enough to hit everybody. So for me, for me it's a, there's a challenge speaking about certain topics and certain things teaching because as a pastor, my goal is to be specific and clear enough because I want to help you. I don't want to be so vague and clouds in the sky that I don't help, you know, you're like, oh yeah, that sounded good and then you walk out of here and you're like, I have no idea what to do. But I also want to be generic enough where regardless of where you are and regardless of what season of life you're in, that I can still hit you. I want to speak to everyone. And what I love about the scriptures is the scriptures do that. The scriptures speak specific enough in the principles of God that they're helpful and practical to apply to your life, but also generic enough that regardless of who you are or uh, what season of life you're in right now, this can be applied to your life. And so I've got three biblical principles that come out of this third view of money, what's mine is from God. Three principles today regarding our finances. The first one is this. I want to be practical and help somebody today. Is that okay? That's why I'm sitting down. I feel like if I'm on a stool and a table, I feel like I'm more of a teacher. When I stand up behind a pulpit, I feel like I'm more of a preacher. I want to talk louder. But today I'm going to try to sit down and teach. Is that all right? Number one, put together a plan. This is known in the financial world as a budget. Everybody say it with me. Budget. Let's say it again. Budget. A budget. Uh, I have found, and this may shock you, most people don't have a budget. They just want more. Spending a bunch of money that you don't have to keep up with the Joneses who, by the way, the Joneses aren't thinking about you. They don't really care about you that much. And by the way, you don't even like the Joneses. But for some reason, you want to impress them and keep up with them and look like them. And it's the American dream, you know, whatever that is. It's a budget. And if, if you don't 
budget, if you don't make a plan for your money, okay, this is just straight Dave Ramsey stuff, okay, straight from the scripture. If, if, if you don't make a plan, you'll never have enough. And I'll prove it to you because what you make now is what you dreamed about making five years ago. And five years ago, you told yourself, because it was so tight and so strapped and it was so stressful, you told yourself five years ago, if I can just make this, I'll be great. And now you make it and you don't feel any different. And that figure you have in your head that you want to make five years from now, if you don't change now, it won't be any different when you get there. Without a budget, there always seems to be more month than the money, what, what a budget is, is it's just setting a plan and guardrails for your finances. It, it allows you to only spend the money that you have. At the end of each month or week, however often you budget, it allows you to look back on and see where your money went. Here's, here's what I want you to write down. A budget tells your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Budget is putting an assignment and a level of intentionality around the money that God has entrusted you to use. And a criticism I get and I've, I've heard regarding budgets and budgeting out your money is, uh, and this is a criticism people make of a lot of things nowadays, uh, it's too restricting, it's too limiting, right? We don't like anything that gives us parameters. We don't like anything that gives us boundaries. And so we hear this about a budget. That's just too restricting. I just feel like it's just too, it's just putting too much uh, control over my money. But, but if you see a budget that way, you're seeing it wrong. Here's what a budget is. A budget is permission to spend. It's permission to spend. So at the beginning of the month or the beginning of the quarter, or the beginning of the week, however often you do it, when you budget the money you've got, you're giving yourself permission to spend that money there. So, so if you budget that you're gonna go out to eat once a week or once a month or however often it is. Then on Sunday after church, when somebody grabs you in the lobby, he's like, hey, let's go grab something. Like, like if you've budgeted it, you've got permission now to say yes and go. Why? Because you, you planned for it. It's good. You're giving yourself permission to spend. And, and for, for the people that just love spontaneous, I just love spontaneous. I just love to live life as it comes. You can budget being spontaneous. Like the first few years of our marriage, we would find throughout the month there would be things that we wanted to give towards. It would be, it'd be something like these bed sheets. It's, you know, something come and be like, oh my gosh, man, I'd love to do that for 20 bucks or however much they cost, right? Or we would see somebody that needed something or somebody had a celebration or an anniversary that we wanted to give them. Like there was, there was a chance for us to give and we wanted to give, but then we were like, oh no, we didn't. So we started a spontaneous giving budget item for $20 a month. That was all I could do. For $20, we had $20 a month for spontaneous giving. So the whole month, we would just kind of keep our eyes peeled about, we had the 20 bucks. We're like, where are we gonna put our 20 bucks this month? Gonna be, who are we gonna, we're gonna buy somebody a McDouble at McDonald's? That's cool, we can buy somebody a McDouble. We're gonna, like, what are we gonna do? But we're gonna bless somebody. We're, we, we're, we're planning to be spontaneous with what God has given us. It allows you to, and, and just go with me, because I know I, this is crazy talk, okay? This is absolutely crazy talk, and nobody else out there is saying this, but it allows you to do this thing called living within your means. <laughs> Look, I know this is crazy. I know nobody is telling you to do this, but spending less than you make, living within your means, which means like you might have to adjust some things. Yeah. 
based on where you're at. I remember when me and Anna got married, we were 20 years old. We had an apartment in Chester, Virginia. Our rent was $932 a month. And that was when I first started on the road. A thousand bucks a month was a good month for me. So I tithed and I was in the red. <laughs> like, dag on it, Lord. All right, <laughs> provide for us. So, like, like we, so when we got married, it was like we wanted to go on a honeymoon. But guess what? We didn't have money to go on a honeymoon. So what we didn't do was put Cabo on the credit card. Because that's not within our means. So my grandparents, this is real talk, this is real talk. My grandparents had a timeshare in Williamsburg that we stayed at for five days for our honeymoon. And we were too young to check into the timeshare, so they had to go to the timeshare the day before our wedding and check in and get the hotel keys and give us the keys on our wedding, and we drove an hour to Williamsburg for five days for our honeymoon. Why? Because that's what we could afford. So, all right, girl, we going to Yankee Candle Factory tonight. Yeah. <laughs> get whatever candle you want. Like, that's literally what we did. <laughs> that's literally what we did in Williamsburg. It was like Yankee Candle Factory, Captain George's, and Crab Legs. Like, we, we, if you can do Williamsburg right, we did Williamsburg right. Because <laughs> that's what we had. It's living within your means. It's a budget. All right? Is this, is this helping somebody? Here's, here's a, just a bare bones basic budget for starters, okay? Give 10%. This is the tithe right off the top to the house of God. Save 10%. Live on the rest, 80%. Give 10. Save 10. Live on 80. And I know I can feel it in some of y'all's eyes right now. Some of y'all are like, that's impossible. I can't do that. And I would respectfully and kindly say to you, yes, you can. And I'll prove it to you. I know you can. Because if your salary got cut to 80% right now, you would not die. You literally wouldn't die. Now, some things might have to change. I'm not saying things wouldn't change. You might have to make some tough decisions. You might have to, like cancel your 72 subscriptions that you don't even know you have like you might have you might have to change some things but you wouldn't die it's possible you can do it yes. you can do it so so we're going to give 10 we're going to save 10 and we're going to live on 80 why do we save what's the purpose of saving why do we save so we've been living like this for years now we, we give 10 we save 10 and we live on 80 what's the point of saving 10 why why have that savings there well number one we save for emergencies I mean, no, stuff happens. Yeah. Stuff happens. Pandemics happen. Transmissions blow. People get sick. There's, all, I mean, jobs are lost. Uh, inflation out the waz, right? This, like, right, this is, stuff happens, okay? And so we save for emergencies. We save for a rainy day. We, we save for things that are unexpected, that we can't control, that come up. Uh, sometimes and often in life. Um, so if you don't have anything for emergencies right now, just, just start saving a little bit. Make your goal $1,000. I'm gonna get a $1,000 emergency fund. I'm gonna have a $1,000 cushion. So it might take some of you a few weeks to get there. It might take some of you a few months to get there. You slowly chip away. I'm gonna save for $1,000. After that, make your goal three to six months of expenses. 
three to six months of expenses in the bank. Can you imagine how much better you'd sleep at night if you had three to six months of expenses in the bank for when a rainy day comes? It, 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 it would turn something that feels like a quick tragedy into more of an inconvenience. You'd have some margin to figure it out because you've you planned for a rainy day. Now, how about beyond six months? Say you've already saved for six months of expenses. You've got that in the bank. Like, what's the point of continuing to save over? Isn't it just losing money sitting there with inflation? The answer right now is you would definitely be right. So, so you save beyond emergencies. You save for opportunities to invest. There are opportunities that are come up for you to invest. And if you've got money saved, you're able to say yes to those. You're going to save for opportunities to give. Man, when the Spirit prompts you for something... When the Spirit's nudging you to give towards something, there's a need, there's a kingdom initiative, there's a missions work, there's, there's things like when the Spirit nudges you to give and you desire to give, you can only give it if you have it. You, you can't give out of your intention, right? And so when you save and you create margin, what you do is you give yourself the opportunity to say yes when God tugs on your heart. When God tugs on your heart, you have the opportunity to say yes. Luke chapter 16, verse number 10. This is Jesus speaking. Now, before I read this, I just want to give a preface. Don't get mad at me for this. Get mad at Jesus for this. I didn't say this. Jesus is saying this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, he's talking about money, dollars and cents here, who will trust you with true riches? True riches, he's speaking about spiritual matters. Jesus is saying, if I can't trust you financially, I can't trust you spiritually. Don't get mad at me. (laughs) If I can't trust you with money, I can't trust you spiritually. Even for our leaders and future leaders and pastors at this church, something we dig into deep as we evaluate them is how do you handle money? If you can't handle your money, you can't handle the people of God. If your financial house is in order, how can I expect you to steward God's house? If you can't be trusted with money, you can't be trusted with spiritual things. So so here's something I hear a lot. Uh, I, I don't budget because I don't make enough to budget. So if I made more, I would budget. No, you wouldn't because you're not budgeting now. If, if I made more, Pastor, I would give more. I want to give more to the church. If I made more, I would give more. No, you wouldn't because you're not giving now. Dr. Eric Mason says it like this. The rich you will be no different than the broke you. more dollars in the account does not change you. So so what you're doing with what you have now is what you'll be doing with what you have then. So if you're not budgeting now, you won't budget when you have more. If you're not generous now, you won't be generous later. If you don't save now, you won't save then. It's, it's caring about the little things. It's stewarding everything God has given you. It's making a plan. And look, I care about this so much. When I, uh, five years prior to planting this church, uh, we had a, a preaching ministry where we traveled the country preaching at 
camps and conferences and churches and schools and this kind of stuff. So did that for five years all over the country. The last few years, we had 75 trips a year in just about every state over the last few years. And so we started that. We started a nonprofit for our preaching ministry. So the nonprofit had a separate bank account and its own 501c3 and its own board of trustees and its own all that kind of stuff. And so in order to make the ministry happen, we, we made money through the ministry, one through donors, so people would donate every month to help fund the ministry. We made money through selling merchandise and all kinds of stuff at conferences, and then people also paid us to come in and speak, okay? So all the ministry money from donors, from preaching, from merchandise, all went to the ministry account. So the ministry account was where all the ministry money came and all the ministry expenses were paid out of the ministry account. And I was paid as an employee of the ministry. I just took a salary from the ministry and then we had our own finances over here personally. And so this one time I specifically remember we were getting geared up for, I think it was our summer camp season. We were gonna be gone for a few months, all these different camps. So we had a bunch of travel gear, toiletries, bags, equipment, whatever, that we had to go buy for our summer. So we're at Walmart, have several hundred dollars worth, a whole cart full of all this travel gear for our camps. And so I remember I was at the checkout line, had all of our stuff, and all of this stuff was going to be paid for by the ministry account, it was ministry expenses. And uh, something, if you don't know about me, I got a mad sweet tooth, so I love some candy. And so I'm at the checkout, and I had to get some Mike and Nikes. Come on, dude, I had to get some Mike and Nikes. <laughs> and so I just grabbed my little bag, uh, my little bag's box of Mike and I stare at the checkout at Walmart, or it's like $1.50 or whatever it is, and I just throw it in, and I just had a check in my spirit real quick, and it was like, hold a time out. That's not a ministry expense. Like, that's for Nate. Nate wants Mike and Ike's right now, and Nate doesn't need Mike and Ike's for the ministry, and so don't just throw that in with your other thing. Purchase the stuff with the ministry, and then you spend your own $1.50 on Mike and Ike's. And even in my head, it's like this debate going on. It's like, dude, it's a dollar fifty for a hundred, several hundred dollar purchase here. It's li- it literally is not going to move the needle. I don't think our donors are going to be up in arms about a dollar fifty in the thing. You literally wouldn't even notice it on the P and L statement because it's a dollar. You know, like so, like it wouldn't have done any harm. But there's a check in my spirit that say, no, if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with much. If you let this $1.50 slide, if you can't have integrity with Mike and Ike's, how can you have integrity with anything else? If you can't have integrity with this $1.50, how can God trust you with more? And so I took the cart and bought all the ministry expenses, and then I bought my own Mike and Ike's. <laughs> if you're not faithful with a little, you won't be given more. If I'm not budgeting with a little, I won't budget with more. If I'm not generous with a little, I won't be generous with it. If I'm not saving with a little, I won't save with a lot. So I've got to make a plan. All right, super practically, if you need help budgeting, there's an app. It's a free app. I want you to write this down if this can help you. It's called Every Dollar. You can look it up in the app store on the iPhones or Satan's thing, the Android, whatever that is. (laughs) That's Satan's phone. Jesus' phone is the iPhone. And... uh, It's in all the apps, all the things. It's called Every Dollar. It's it's super easy, super practical. You can make your budget. It can help you plan every month. So make a plan. You with me today? Number two is this. Connect your money to the kingdom. Connect your money to the kingdom. 
Luke 12, 33, this is in a message translation. Here's what Jesus says, and he's speaking to people with wealth. Okay, here's what he says, ready? ready? Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves at the bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, or say from embezzlers, a bank you can bank. Here's what Jesus is telling people that have money. Ready? Be generous. Give. Notice what Jesus does not tell people with wealth. He does not tell people with wealth to become poor. I don't know where this idea came from, where the solution for people with wealth is to become poor. Jesus does not, that didn't come from Jesus. Jesus didn't want wealthy people to become poor. He instructs people with resources to say, be generous with what you have. See a need, meet a need. I've entrusted you with this to be a steward of it, to meet the needs around you. Give to the poor. Be generous. Every dollar in your bank account right now, look, I want you to write this down, this is in your notes. Your money is either a tool to be a blessing or a God that will be worshiped. Money is either a tool to be a blessing or it is a God that will be worshiped. It is either something God has entrusted with me to be generous with or it is an idol in my heart that I'm living for. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other, for you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says, you can't worship me and worship money. Money can't be your God and me be your God. You, you can't worship one or the other. So look at this. We don't trust in money. We trust in God. We do not worship money. We worship God. We do not bow down and exhaust our lives for money. We bow down and surrender our lives to God. Because here's what, here's what I know about money. Money is a terrible God. It's a terrible God. It overpromises. Come on, some of us know this. It overpromises and underdelivers. It's a terrible God. Christ is Lord. Money is a tool He's given us to be a blessing. We worship God, we use money. We don't worship money and use God. God calls us to be generous, to tie our money to the kingdom. Because here's what I know. If all of your money is in the world, your heart follows your money. So if all of your money is in the world, ready, you'll be worldly. People that are, their lives are so full of the world, their heart is so obsessed with the world, and they want to know why. Like, they think, they think like, coming in a 65-minute church service and hearing a pastor will do it for you. No, 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 your heart is following your money. All your money is in the world, so you're worldly. All of your money is spent on carnal things, so you're carnal. Don't be surprised if all your heart is in the world if you are worldly. You know, the... Scriptures talk about the love of money is the root of all evil. All right, now this is, this is important. It's not money. The love of money is the root. All right, go with me here. The root of all kinds of evil, the text says. It's the root. It's the beginnings. It's the undercurrent. It's the lifeline of all kinds of evil. So if money is your idol, you've opened the door 
to all kinds of evil in your life. So here's why I can sit at Starbucks with a guy whose life has got all kinds of evil in it, all kinds of struggle, evil in every corner and crevice of his life, and look at him boldly and say, do you give? Look back like, the root of all kinds of evil, you've got all kinds of evil. There's, there's roots that are producing and planting in your life all kinds of evil. So, so how do you do that? You, you, you don't love money. You love God. You give generously to break off the shackles of greed in your heart uh, to, that, that views money as yours and see it as God's. Connect your heart to the kingdom. So if I were to ask in the room just by a show of hands and don't raise your hand, if I were to just hypothetically ask this, hey, who wants to love God more? Who wants to love God more? Who wants to love God more? Everybody raise their hand. Well, if you're, Jesus says you're, where, you, where your treasure is, your heart is. So, so in order for your heart to go somewhere more, more of your treasure has to go there. So if, if you want to love God more, give God more of your money. All of a sudden, you know, who wants to give God more of your money? No, I said I want to love God more. <laughs> Can't separate those two. And notice, notice I didn't say give Oasis more. All right, I always, when I talk about this, I always want to just take the pressure off, like give you an out to know, like this is not like a, a, a self-serving Oasis, like, oh my gosh, Oasis, I don't know if we're going to make it next month. Oh Lord, it, you know, our rent's going up, which it is, by the way. But it's like, I don't know if it's going, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if, I don't know if it is. Oh gosh. Oh, like this is, like, I'm not saying Oasis. If, if you don't trust this house and trust, trust us as the leaders, like don't do it here. Take this principles, take God's word and do it somewhere you do trust. All right, so this is kingdom principle, giving, like connecting your heart to the kingdom in such a way where, where, where you're freeing greed from your life. You're getting the love of money out of your heart so there's no chance for all kinds of evil to be rooted in your life. Here's what Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I don't know if that line has ever been more true. So uncertain. I don't know if you know, inflation is at a 40-year high currently, economic instability, housing market crazy, like, like uncertain. Uncertain. But ready? But put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich. So he's already said they're rich in money, but he says, hey, be rich in good deeds, be rich in the goodness that you're doing to others and serve. Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Again, he's talking to people with resource and, and he's encouraging them. He's not telling them to become poor. He's saying be generous, be willing to share, be rich in good deeds, give to the poor, give to those who have need, give to the kingdom. You can enjoy your money when it has a mission. Notice, I didn't say love it. We don't love money. I also didn't say hate it. We don't hate money. We don't love it or we don't hate it, but you can enjoy it when it's got a mission. When you give it an assignment, when you see it as a tool from God to bless others and those around you. 
Paul writes in Philippians chapter four, he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's thanking them for giving an offering to him in his missionary journey. He says this, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out, not one church, look at this, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving except you. All right, this is Paul. Paul's letters that, that the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, that like there was ton, there was the church in Rome. Like Paul's connected to tons of churches. And Paul said, hey, out of all the churches, when I was on my first missionary journey, get only one of you gave. Paul's letting us know giving is rare. I think sometimes we assume, especially in churches, like, oh, everybody's generous, everybody's generous, everybody gives. No, no, giving's rare. Giving was rare then, and giving is rare now. Just last year, the average household in America that claims to be a Christian household gave 2% of their annual income not to churches, just any nonprofit. Any nonprofit, 2% of their annual income last year, a household that claims to be Christian. And that 2%, you say, wow, 2%, wow, it's tight, wow, it's not a lot, only 2%. That 2% is massively greater than households that don't claim to be Christian. Basically zero. It's kind of like a tip. It's like, oh, I squeeze out a five or a 10 every now and then, and, but but they're typically living beyond their means and so stretched with trying to keep up with the Jones. They don't have any, so it's, so it's way less than 2%, those that don't claim. So giving was rare then, and giving was rare now. But as followers of Christ, we've got to connect our resource to the kingdom. Yeah. We've got to be generous with what we've got. We've got to be stewards of what we have. Number three is this, expect God's provision. Number three is where, if I could be really honest, number one and number two, most people are like, amen, you should plan, you should budget, don't spend, yeah, for sure, you should give to the kingdom, for sure, absolutely, we should give, right? Most people don't have a problem with one and two, but three is where people get like a little bit like, okay, well, like pump the brakes here, I don't know about this, and I, I, I understand the hesitation with number three, because we, we don't preach a prosperity gospel. Come to Christ, put your faith in Christ, and it's all just, just flowers and roses. Everything's great, and you'll be wealthier than you've ever been, and happier than you've ever been, and you'll have a come to Christ. That's that not the gospel at all. Okay? We don't preach a prosperity gospel that turns God into like a divine ATM upstairs. Like you give a little bit, then you get more. Like I give to get. Like if I can manipulate the spirit enough, he's just this divine ATM that's like my, you know. Like we don't give to get. That's not biblical. That's not scripture. We get to give. We give to advance the kingdom. We give to rid our heart of greed. We, we give in obedience to God. And I cannot biblically get around the idea that when you give and do money God's way, God blesses you. So, so we're not preaching a prosperity gospel. We're not preaching a gift to get. No, no. But I cannot biblically get around when you manage money God's way and are generous with what God has given you, God takes care of you. God blesses you. God blessed Abram 
Genesis chapter 12, and I want you to look at this. Here's what he says to Abram. I will make you into a great nation. I'll do this. I will bless you. God's like, I'll do that. I will make your name great. I'll do that. You will be a blessing. God is like, hey, I'll do the first three. I'll bless you. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll make your name great. I'll do that. Why? You be a blessing. Get this in your heart today. Get this in your mind. Write this down. Ready? I am blessed to be a blessing. Why would God bless you? Why are you blessed? Why would God bless you? Why are you blessed? I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. And as I'm a blessing, God will bless. And as I bless, God will bless. And as I bless, God will bless. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Look what, look what Paul writes in Philippians 4.19. He's, he's writing to the church, that gave, the only church that gave finances to him. He's not writing this to the prayer team. Nothing against the prayer team. He, he, he's writing this to the finance team that gave to him. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Like the context of that is God will financially take care of you because you have financially been generous to him. All right, look at this. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, Look at the context of Solomon in Proverbs 11. Because people will try to like sound more spiritual than they are and over-spiritualize this and be like, you know, if you give, oh, it's not material blessing. It's not, it's not financial blessing. It's spiritual blessing. God will spiritually bless you if you give. Like that's fine, but Solomon is not writing Proverbs 11 thinking, oh, well, you know, in the New Testament later, they'll, 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 it'll, they'll be spiritually blessed. If they, no. He's talking about resources. He's talking about money. He's saying, those who bless others will be blessed. Those who refresh others will be refreshed. Like, he's talking about resources. Uh, here's, here's a third one, in case you're not convinced yet. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is taking up an offering. Again, you, to know the text, you have to understand the context. 2 Corinthians 9, he's taking up a financial offering. Verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's telling me to give cheerfully. He's like, guys, this isn't pressure packed. I ain't twisting your arm here. Hear from God. Give cheerfully. Don't give because I'm begging you. Give because God is urging you. Do it with joy in your heart. Get, give, right? He's encouraging you to give cheerfully. And then he says, look at this. And God is able to bless you abundantly. He didn't just shift in that sentence to spiritual blessing. It's about provision. So that in all things, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Look at this. I've heard hundreds, if not thousands of testimonies in my first 10 years of ministry of people that are generous and do money God's way. And the testimony is the exact same. It's it's the exact same. It's 100%. Pastor, I'm so blessed. Pastor, I I literally didn't even know how I was going to add up some months, but we're good. We're taken care of. We're just blessed, Pastor. And... You know, maybe we don't have as much as the next person or whatever, but God's taking care of us and we're blessed. It's the only testimony I've heard from those that are faithful with what God has 
given them. So, so what do we do in this season, okay? Because this is a season where I know there's economic fear. I know there's financial fear. I know inflation. I know the economy. And I know the undercurrent. I know the foundation right now seems stable. You, you can't just continue to print stuff that doesn't exist and it not affects, right? So, so I, I get that that's where we are. But what do we do? We're going to make a plan. Be faithful what God has given us. I'm going to be faithful with what God has given us. I'm going to be faithful with what he's given us. I'm going to make a plan. Maybe I'm going to tighten the plan a little bit. Maybe I'm going to increase the saving a little bit right now, right? What else am I going to be generous? Man, I'm not going to allow fear to stop my generosity. I'm going to allow fear to crank up my generosity. <laughs> I'm going to increase my dependence on God. I'm going to trust him a little more as I give right now in this season. And, and, and then as I do that, I'm just expecting God to provide. Psalmist said, never once have I seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. God, he is faithful to meet all my needs. It's, it's the story of our first 10 years of, 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 of marriage and ministry. God has been faithful. It's the story of this church over 24 months of chaos that we've been through and transition we've been through. God has been faithful. And it, it, it can be your story if you begin to trust God that God will provide in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes with me. Lord, we're thankful for your word today. Thankful that it challenges us, God. Thank you that it speaks to every area of our life. And, and Lord, I just speak these principles over your church today. Lord, I pray for those that, Lord, have some practical things you need to go home and adjust and go home and fine-tune. Lord, I just pray you'd give us the diligence, the discipline, the wisdom to do those things. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to do them. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, if there's people that, need to come around them to help them and coach them and instruct them. Lord, I pray you'd send people. God, I pray you'd put people in this church in their path to come help them. God, I pray that you'd help us to make adjustments where adjustments are needed. And, and, uh, and Lord, I, I pray that as we do trust you, as we do plan, as we do give, Lord, I just believe in faith. I don't even need to pray for it, Lord, because it's already in your word. I just speak it today. Lord, the, the blessing and provision of God over your people. God, thank you that you are a provider. Lord, that Washington, D.C. is not our source, and our boss is not our source, and our retirement plans are not our source, but God, you are our source. You are our provider. You are our strength. You are where our help comes from. And Lord, so, Lord, I just speak provision and blessing over every household in this place, God. I pray for those that are facing challenges in this area, God. Give them wisdom. Give them discernment. Give them supernatural breakthrough and, and blessing as we trust you. God, may we not just live this area of our life in the natural, but in the supernatural. God, give us faith to trust you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.